This is a CNA podcast. In my household, I had one simple rule. No screen time for my two-year-old son. Yep, none at all. You see, even before I gave birth, the guidelines had been drilled into me. Even on the pamphlets I got at the hospital. I learned that according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, there should be no screen time at all for children until they are 18 to 24 months old. Except for video chatting. If they are FaceTiming with grandpa, that's okay. If they're a bit older, 2 to 5 years old, they can get an hour or less of screen time in a day. So, anxious first-time parent that I was, I decided to be really strict about it with my son. Maybe there were a few desperate minutes here or there of YouTube whenever I needed to distract him from an injection or a haircut. But as far as I was concerned, there was never any intentional screen time other than this. It was something I was quite proud of, until one day, shortly after my son turned two. My son's preschool teacher pulled me aside when I picked him up. He seems pretty familiar with the phone, she said to me, and he doesn't seem to be speaking much. Was it because he'd been spending a lot of time in front of screens, she asked. My first reaction was to feel indignant. Why would she think that? After all the care I'd taken, I thought to myself. But immediately afterwards, I began to worry. My son was a pretty quiet baby. He didn't babble much and didn't say a word till he was more than 18 months old. We were even referred to a speech therapist by a doctor concerned about him missing his milestones. Did we slip up somewhere? Had someone been giving him screen time without us knowing? I'm Leanne, a journalist with CNA Insider and mother of a two-year-old boy who is, by the way, getting increasingly opinionated and talkative by the day. And thank goodness for that. Because of what we went through, I could really relate to this young dad I got to know recently. We've got a lot in common when it comes to our sons, including their age. Hi, my name is Daniel. I am 29 this year and I am a very, very proud father of a very, very active son. <laughs> no, Adam, Adam. Daniel's a radio presenter and his wife, Atifa, is a teacher. Yeah, both of us like talk for a living, right? One so, of the like, things Daniel loves talking about is his son, Adam. Yeah, like he's a very active boy just like me, but he's feisty like my wife. Adam! 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 Yay! Now that he just turned two, right? It's like a teenager, teenager phase, I right? <laughs> yeah. So now is when he's learning to say no, he's learning to say I want this, I want that. So just yesterday, we were eating. He was playing with his excavator. Then he came to the table, and he dug into my food with the excavator. <laughs> I couldn't help laughing when I heard that because that's just the kind of thing my own two-year-old would do. While I'm grateful Evan hasn't discovered the joys of using an excavator to eat his food. Daniel and I both realised our sons were pretty similar in other ways, especially when it came to what they were saying and what they weren't. He's like, one more, one more. <laughs> and then after that, you'll hear, I don't want, I don't want. Oh, yeah. And then good luck to you. Really. No, he's just, no, no. Oh, with the hand, with the Yeah, hand. like this, no. <laughs> same, same as my son. Yeah, same one or two months later, I don't want this. <laughs> You see, just like my son, Adam lagged behind his peers when it came to speaking. Unlike me, Daniel and his wife had been allowing their son to watch some TV since he was eight months old. And they couldn't help but wonder, was this the reason behind Adam's speech delay? 
sometimes it makes me feel like less of a good parent for him. Because instead of watching all this stuff, I should be the one coming out with the activities to let him learn. Let's face it, most of us are quick to judge parents whose kids are planted in front of an iPad or phone screen. But let's also acknowledge the fact that screens are now everywhere and almost indispensable parts of everyday life. Daniel and I often see parents with kids who are glued to a phone screen in a restaurant, at the hairdressers, the train, on planes. And we remember how life was so very different for us when we were growing up. Our generation, back then, internet still wasn't like a huge thing, right? There was still dial-up, the, the dial-up tone and all, right? So, like, when it comes to computer games, I think not so much. Thanks to the primitive internet connection back then, Daniel wasn't really into computer games as a child. What he did enjoy were books. Unfortunately, I actually finished the whole Twilight series. And I was a big Harry Potter fan, I was Potterhead. He also loved cartoons on television. I jumped from Spider-Man to Jackie Chan Adventures, Jake the American Dragon on Disney Channel, um, there's Kids Next Door. When Daniel was in kindergarten, his grandmother helped look after him. And for up to an hour each day, he'd watch his cartoons while she cooked and cleaned. But when 2pm rolled around each day... I know it's her time to swap over to her Malay drama, sorry. <laughs> But at least you sat through it. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did. When Daniel and his wife Atifa had Adam, they hoped he'd develop a love of reading. Before Adam was even born, they bought him lots of storybooks. But as Adam got older, it got harder for Daniel and his wife to keep him entertained, especially because both of them work full-time. You know, like, when you come back from work, you're, like, tired, you want to put on your bags, you want to shower, get, get, go for a nice shower. Then after that, you want to go and, like, sit on the couch and watch TV and just, like, chill for the night. But as a parent, you can't do that. Especially with, like, a very, very active toddler who wants to play all the damn time, right? Daniel remembers a particular day when Adam was around eight months old. At the time, Daniel was working as a paramedic and had just come off a 13-hour overnight shift. His wife was at work, and he had two to three hours to go before his mother-in-law was free to help with Adam. The infant was having trouble sleeping, and every time Daniel soothed him and tried to lay him down... Yeah, he didn't want to sleep, he was like screaming if I put him down. I just cannot take it because that same night I'll be working another night shift. Exhausted and desperate, Daniel reached for the remote and turned on the TV. He found a show called Little Baby Bub. He was like entranced by like the show because it was like a talking star and like animals and like yeah. And there was like singing. Adam stopped crying and lay down quietly to watch the show. Then I just hugged him. Yeah. <laughs> That's the life, man. I think for me back then, that felt like a okay option. <laughs> that felt okay. I was like, ah, oh, can la for one only la. So you gave it to him that one time, right? Yeah. And then what, what happened after that? Then it felt so good, right? So we did it again. <laughs> it happened again and again. Not all that often. Maybe when Adam got clingy for his mum or when Daniel got home after another overnight shift. Each time, they'd limit it to one half-hour episode, just enough to distract him for a bit. And soon, Adam began asking for the TV and it got harder and harder to say no. I'll take my handphone and he just like, 
No. Like, like, just like shove my handphone in my face, you know, like I wanna watch my show. Or I take the controller for the TV remote control and just like mm. <laughs> By the time Adam was a year old, he was watching television every day. Daniel and Atifa made an effort to look for shows that would help Adam learn. Like those by Miss Rachel, a preschool teacher whose videos helped kids with speech and learning. They talk normally and they actually have moments where they zoom into the mouth to see uh, how you pronounce the letters, how you pronounce the words, that kind of thing. I think like it's good for him. Like At the end of the day, it does help him to a certain extent and that helps make me feel a bit better about myself. It made Daniel feel a bit better because really, underneath it all, he was feeling kind of guilty. Even though they curated the shows and were careful not to let Adam watch TV unsupervised, there were still times when Daniel wondered, are we doing the right thing? You initially didn't want to give him screen time at all, but okay. you ended up doing it anyway. Yeah. And how that made you feel? It really made me feel like shit, you know, like, what am I doing to my son? Because I know of mothers or even fathers who come out with like own activities for the kids. Every single day is a new activity. But having to do that is like a lot of work, yeah as a family that has both parents working, right? You can't always do that. Lah. It's very, very taxing for us. Listening to Daniel talk, I could understand his conundrum and feel his helplessness. I've been in that same boat myself, like the time my son was sick with a fever and I tried to distract him with a show while we sponged him with cold water, or when I played a nursery rhyme video on my phone to get him to sit still for a haircut. It made me wonder how other parents deal with the question of screen time. I asked for people to send me their thoughts, and everyone seemed to have a different take. There were parents who chose not to give any screen time at all. Because I feel like there's so much more to explore around him, including just looking outside of the window and observing his surroundings, or, you know, sometimes even just getting bored, because I feel like it's important for him to even feel the feeling of getting bored, you know what I mean? Being someone that um, works quite closely with children with language delay, I often advise the parents of the children I see not to give too much screen time because we know of the possible consequences. So I do feel a bit like a hypocrite when I dish out such advice but give my own son too much screen time. But even those who kept their kids away from screens wondered if they were depriving their child of something their peers were all experiencing. Sometimes I do feel a bit guilty because um, she learns about cartoons from school. Uh, she came home one day seeing Baby Shark and that was when we realised that her school taught her the song and dance. In short, no matter what we think the quote-unquote right thing to do is, real life is often more complicated. For Daniel, his son's growing love affair with TV cartoons was a convenience that seemed harmless so long as they continued to supervise him and limit his watch time. But they were about to make a discovery that would change everything. It began with a few small, subtle signs. Adam was about 18 months old when Daniel realised... When he watches TV, he, it's so difficult to get him to look at me. Then when I call him, he doesn't even look at me. He'll just like watch. And after like five, seven times of calling him, then he'll look at me. Yeah. But if he's not watching TV, he'll straight away look at me. About the same time, Daniel and his wife came across a friend's Instagram post of her children. And that's when they realised how different Adam was. 
when we saw kids around his age being able to talk, be able to identify a code, traffic cone, having like conversations with like his mother at 18 months. At first, Daniel told his wife, It's okay, maybe he needs more time, maybe he's a late bloomer. But then they brought Adam to the polyclinic for a regular checkup, and that was when things hit home for them. At 18 months, Adam should have been able to say at least 50 words. He was only able to speak about 12, 15 words. We were struggling to even like count how many words he could speak. So that for us was like a huge red flag. Because coupled with the fact that sometimes when we call him, it doesn't turn right. We were afraid that he was uh, on the spectrum. Daniel and his wife talked things over and decided to seek professional advice. You know what, we should do something about this before it's too late. They looked up a specialist who could diagnose autism spectrum disorder and made an appointment. Daniel's in-laws drove them to the consultation on a weekend afternoon. The specialist ushered Adam and his parents to a mini jungle gym so she could observe how they played. But Daniel's mind was in turmoil. We were afraid that this was a sign that he does not just have speech delay, but this speech delay could could be a sign that he has like cognitive uh, development issues in the future. Lah. The specialist returned after about 20 minutes to talk to them. The first thing that had us feeling relieved was the fact that she is sure that our son does is not on the spectrum. But then she continued. He's a very fearful kid, that he has poor muscle tone. We are going to have a hard time when he grows up because like he's going to be a fearful kid. I think what turned us off was like she mentioned a lot of bad things and no good things about Adam. Daniel and his wife asked her, Could screen time be like a cause of this? She mentioned that it could be. So when she said that, we definitely felt guilty. The specialist also told them that every child was built differently and that Adam's speech delay was more likely because he might be introverted and afraid to take risks rather than the result of too much time in front of a TV. But still, Daniel and his wife both couldn't help wondering, Like, where did we go wrong? Because both of us can talk for a living. And I'm pretty sure my parents and my grandparents gave me a lot of screen time when I was his age. But like, I think nature and nurture both comes hand in hand. Lah. What happened after that? Did oh. your behaviour change? Did your life? After that, he didn't have screen time for one week. Ah. <laughs> He didn't ask for it. To draw his attention away from the TV, Daniel and his wife both tried to involve Adam in what they were doing. So when I'm cooking, cutting, I give him a bit of like uh, chunks of fruits for him to cut, that kind of thing. We even bought like a Dyson kit vacuum that he can play with while we vacuum the house also. So that's how we try to get him more involved with our daily tasks. It worked for a while, but... I don't know how, uh, we just slipped back into our hole. <laughs> But after that, when it was screen time, it was mindful screen time. Lah. That meant that Daniel or his wife would do their best to sit and talk with Adam about the show they were watching or encourage him to mimic what the characters were saying. They also limited viewing time to half an hour. Indeed, as it turned out, Adam could do just fine without screen time. Yeah, we just have to play with him. It was very, very tiring. Yeah, so but that's the way to go lah. Actually, most times you got you got to sacrifice for like your child, right? For the better betterment is that a word? <laughs> betterment of your child, yeah. Two weeks after seeing the specialist, Daniel and his wife decided to get a second opinion. Cause like you don't just buy from the fresh free stall you go to. So <laughs> they went online, found a different center, 
one with many good reviews, and made an appointment to see a speech therapist. Right from the start when they walked in, she was a uh, definitely a happier vibe. We love it lah. The way she interacts with Adam, Adam generally very afraid of like people he doesn't know. So that day was like afraid lah, like scared of her. But what this center did was like so we had to fill up this form prior to going there, and she asked us to list three things that Adam likes. So when we were there that day. She took out three boxes. All three boxes had the toys we listed down. Ah, they were also encouraged that the therapist did not only focus on the negatives, but also the positives. For instance, she showed Adam how to play with a toy microwave and memorize a sequence of steps to heat food up. She showed Adam once, and then Adam remembered already how to do it. Yeah, so that was like, oh my god, okay, like, like even though he might be delayed, oh my god, I want to tear. So, <laughs> so even though he might be delayed, yeah, in that, in 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 the aspect of speech, right? Uh, this therapist mentioned that he is quite advanced for his age in terms of hands-on stuff, like sequential play and remembering actions, how to do things, that kind of thing. According to this therapist, Adam had a very slight speech delay. It wasn't like a significant speech delay. See, I think she said we are a bit too kiasu as parents, but like it's normal. Of course, they were reassured, but Daniel and his wife had to ask: Could Adam's slight speech delay be due to the screen time they gave him? She said, not necessarily. A more likely factor, she said, is that Adam was born during the pandemic. Because how kids actually learn through our speech, right? Through looking at our mouths, how they move, uh, how what we say actually really matters, uh, and it 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 goes hand in hand uh, with their speech development. But because of COVID, we have to wear masks all the time, so that impedes this progress for them, lah. Daniel had gone to two specialists and gotten different answers each time. I wasn't quite sure what to make of this. Is there really a link between speech delay and too much screen time? And if so, how much? One study that's often cited warns that for children between the ages of six and twenty-four months, just a thirty-minute increase in handheld screen time could see a nearly fifty percent increased risk of speech delays. But I wanted to know why this might be the case. So I asked speech and language therapist Elizabeth Lim. She says that for kids below the age of two, what's important is engaging them in two-way conversations. In activities where they hear a lot of good language models, a lot of good vocabulary, and they're also encouraged to verbalize. The key here is human interaction. Giving a child a screen removes those opportunities for them to talk or play with another person. Elizabeth says the screen time, regardless of age, cannot replace real life social interaction. Okay, so we know what helps a toddler learn to speak, but what actually causes a speech delay? Leaving aside obvious cases such as hearing loss, the answer is still unclear. Says Elizabeth. All we know at this point is that there's some correlation with screen time. Your child could have zero screen time and still end up with a language delay or a speech delay. That speech and language therapist Ruhiaza. Could it be worsened by the fact that okay, my child is already struggling with difficulties in language, and on top of it, he's also like seated in front of the TV for like six hours a day. Yes, that can exacerbate it.
let's get back to Daniel and his son. It's been a few months since Adam first saw the speech therapist to be assessed. And since then, he's been going for regular therapy sessions. Daniel and Atifa are part of these sessions, where the therapist teaches them how to play with Adam. One thing I learned during the sessions is not to force him to do something. But instead, we just go with the flow. If he's playing with this, right, we just look at him and it's like, uh-oh, drop, that kind of thing. And like, say all these verbs. Drop, go. Um, that's when he will slowly mimic us and always be in front of his face when we're playing. Over time, they've seen heartening signs of progress with Adam. Last week, he just said octopus. Out of nowhere? Yeah, out of nowhere. I was like, what? How do you know this word octopus? But the thing about the therapy sessions, Daniel says, is that both parents need to be involved to learn their specific roles. The therapy session requires both of us to be there. And um, my job previously uh, is like a five and a half work week for us. So I think um, it was difficult for me to be there also for him every time. Um, and we had to miss a few sessions because of my schedule. That's when Daniel made a pivotal decision. He quit his radio presenter job to focus on being there for Adam. I feel like it's a sacrifice on my end. It's also uh, to leave a job that I've always been dreaming of doing uh, for a Monday to Friday job that allows me to be more present for him during these therapy sessions. Today, we're going to <coughs> these days, Adam's screen time has been limited to an hour a day tops. He's able to even go three to four days at a stretch without any TV at all. But it means Daniel and Atifa have also had to set an example by trying to change their own screen habits, such as not using their phones past a certain time and picking up a book instead. So, uh, like, it's so hard, you know, because like social media and all, it's purposely built uh, to a point where it makes you want to like grab your phone and look at it all the damn time, right? But slowly, we're learning to let go. This modelling behaviour is something other parents also say is important to do. And frankly, something I need to get better at myself. I didn't use my phone when I was with her, nor did I watch any TV during the day myself and waited until she literally hit her bedtime. Small changes that we made to our schedule as well. I make sure there's a specific time limit that they can use the screen and um, be very consistent every day for the same amount of time and you stick to the, the, the time limit. We sit with them, we watch with them and then we can even discuss with them so as to make the best of the screen time. Similarly, Daniel recognises that watching TV can be good for Adam, provided he or his wife make the effort to engage Adam when they watch a show together. In fact, Adam's learning a lot from shows like Miss Rachel and Silly Miss Lily. These two shows uh, really helped us a lot as parents to teach Adam more about pronunciation and also enunciation of things. You know. Seeing Adam's progress makes Daniel feel like his sacrifices have all been worth it. Even as parents, right, I feel proud of not just where Adam is today, but I feel proud of where we are today. It definitely wasn't easy. Some final thoughts before we wrap up this episode. 
Remember my two-year-old son, who had us so worried with his early silence? Well, it turned out there was actually nothing wrong. A few months after I heard from his teacher, he began to talk, and now he's pretty much chattering non-stop. I still haven't figured out if or how he actually got screen time, but I've come to realise that screens aren't all that bad. I used to think they should be avoided as far as possible, but what the speech and language experts had to say surprised me. What research is showing is that it's really good quality content on screens, like showing greater vocabulary in children. That's Ruhi again. And a lot of times this is vocabulary that they're not picking up from other parts of the environment, but purely because they've heard it on a screen in a show or through an app. It's showing good results with literacy skills because so many of these educational apps are all about like literacy skills. In other words, I just need to choose the right good quality show and make the time to sit and watch it with my son and talk to him about it afterwards. We've put more information on some recommended shows in the episode description. So I'll be relaxing that no screen time rule in my household now and doing my best to put my phone aside when I'm with him. Can you relate to Daniel's story? What are some of the other things that make you wonder if you're getting the parenting thing wrong? We'd like to hear from you. No issue is too big or small. Write to us at cnainsider at mediacorp.com.sg. Do check out our other episodes where we cover topics from mental health to tackling school exams. I'm Lian Chia, and this has been Imperfect, a podcast by CNA Insider. It's sound engineered by Jonathan Yeo, with input from supervising editor Yvonne Lim and senior editor Crispina Robert. <laughs>